Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and, all, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. If you were trying to understand American society just by turning on the 24-hour news networks, the image that you would be left with would be rather bleak. It would seem as though everything is always a crisis. Every news story is described as breaking news to convey a sense of urgency. You would think that we are living in a time more dangerous than ever. In a quest to get attention, it's the stories of violence and murder that dominate the airwaves. And because of the ubiquity of this news coverage, from people's living rooms, to airports, to hotels and restaurants, this is indeed the view that many people have about the world that we are living in. Hope seems to be a thing of the past. But what stays on top of news cycles and what is reality don't actually align. The reality of life in America is that we're living in a less violent time than any other point in our history. In fact, around the globe, murder is going down. So far, the 21st century, despite its conflicts and setbacks, is an incredibly peaceful time to be alive. Not only are we in a peaceful time, but we're in a time when advances in medicine and technology mean that the suffering caused by illness is better able to be managed and treated. We're living in a time when scientific breakthroughs make it easier for populations to survive through natural disasters. Yet, for all the progress and all the hope of being alive right now, we seem to be stuck in a quagmire of despair. We're so hyper-aware of the ways that humanity is falling short of the kingdom that we sometimes are blinded to the opportunity and joy of the kingdom breaking into our lives. This is, of course, not a new phenomenon in human history. Basically, for as long as humans have been keeping records, we've been dreaming of a past that never was. 
And so from time to time, it's good to be reminded that we must keep looking forward to what might be. During the oil crisis, President Jimmy Carter took to national airwaves to address the American public. In this speech, President Carter looked beyond the immediate crisis to speak to an underlying problem. Part of what he said was, the threat is nearly invisible in ordinary ways. It is a crisis of confidence. It is a crisis that strikes at the very heart and soul and spirit of our national will. We can see this crisis in the growing doubt about the meaning of our own lives and in the loss of a unity of purpose for our nation. A little later, he continues on to say, confidence in the future has supported everything else, public institutions and private enterprise, our own families, and the very Constitution of the United States. Confidence has defined our course and has served as a link between generations. We've always believed in something called progress. We've always had a faith that the days of our children would be better than our own. It seems to me that we're in another period of time where we're having a crisis of confidence, not just as a nation, but as people of God. We're all aware of the trends that have been affecting churches. Fewer people are coming to church than they did in the past. More people are identifying as spiritual but not religious, or simply not associating with any spiritual movement. We all see the empty church buildings that dot the landscape or that have been remodeled into breweries or homes or any number of things. And those facts make it hard for us to see the hope. So many of you remember a day when things were different in the church. As I've been sorting through the old records of this congregation, I came across a charge conference report from the mid-20th century that counted 143 children in Sunday school. So I know that when you look back on the past, you're remembering something vastly different from the way that things are now. And I understand that it can be frustrating to see how things have changed. And I understand that it can be disorienting. And I understand that the further that we get away from those days, the more discouraging it must feel. But in the midst of frustrations and disorientation and discouragement, today's gospel lesson comes bursting through. These must be some of the same emotions that the servants in today's story were feeling when the wine ran out. How could this be happening? It seemed like there was plenty to go around earlier. What's the chief steward going to do when he finds out? Mary sees what is happening and puts Jesus to work on solving the problem. Now try to put yourself in the shoes of these servants who are told to follow the instructions of some random guest. What could he possibly do that they hadn't already thought of? But at the same time, what did they have to lose? So they follow his instructions, they fill up the jars with water, and then, out of nothing, this guy makes wine. And not just any wine, but better wine than what they had already been serving. It's in this relatively insignificant miracle that Jesus reveals his power for the first time in the Gospel of John. Jesus' first demonstration of power is to show that God can work in unexpected ways. 
This becomes even more meaningful when we think about the fact that John's gospel is bookended by this miracle and Jesus' resurrection after death. From the first display of power to the last, Christ is working in unexpected ways. In the face of problems as trivial as running out of wine at a wedding to the finality of death, God is able to present new ways to be. In other words, through God, there is always hope. So I have confidence in the future of the church. I know that when we take the time to listen to where God is leading, then we'll find ways to continue in our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. I know that the best days are not behind us, but in front of us. There will be times that we disagree with each other about where the Spirit is leading, about what changes we have to make, and about what things we need to let go. But even that gives me hope, because I have never known the church that was. I've never known a church where people showed up because social pressure demanded it. So I've always known a church where people are passionate and where people are here because they want to be. If we can harness the energy, the conviction, the passion that each of us has individually for the church, then I know that God is going to do miraculous things in unexpected ways. Amen.